step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you on the podcast. It is Monday, June 21st, 2021. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And talk about timely information in today's hot topic. We're excited to have back by popular demand, Josh Friend, who's the founder and CEO of Accelerate. And We've had him on previous podcasts, actually back in March 23rd, 2020, as well as August 17th, 2020. Both of those links to those previous podcasts are in the show notes. Go back and listen to those podcasts. I went back and listened to those previous podcasts and took pages of notes, and I'd listened to them before. It explains why these two podcasts that we did back in March of last year and August of this last year are some of the most downloaded podcasts. It's because people are saying there's something in those previous podcasts that is resonating with lenders, and it explains why so many are downloading those podcasts yet today. So be sure to listen to the Hot Topic segment. We're proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. Also, I want to say a thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastris Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Be sure to check out their webinar that they got going on tomorrow, June 20 second at 1 p.m. Why technology modernization should be at the top priority for all financial institutions. Check out, there's a link in our show notes and also go back and listen to the podcast we did with Dan Putney back in January. Also, we have two collaboratives that are part of our podcast sponsorship, the Lenders One podcast. We got Justin Demolia who will be our guest coming up next week as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. We had Tom Gallucci on as our guest back in December 7th, 2020. Go back and listen to that podcast. Again, both of these Co-ops do a great job allowing lenders and their vendors to get close and personal, get to meet each other. We happen to be members of both of these co-ops, and we're glad we are because of how we're able to interact more closely with the members. So whether you're a vendor or a lender, consider joining one or as we have both of these co-ops. Also, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America does a great job of helping independent mortgage bankers working with the MBA to have their voices heard on the Hill. Also, we have Incelerate, who is our featured guest today, Josh Fred, who founded Incelerate, will be on talking about leading edge technology and mortgage expertise with pre-designed campaigns that come together to help enhance the borrower engagement. And you're going to learn more about that in the 
Hot Topic segment. Also, KnowledgeCube, a great learning management system that will help you train your people, educate your people. Also, check out Mobility Mortgage Market Intelligence and Modex. Modex and Mobility MMI do a great job of helping mortgage lenders recruit top LOs as well as giving you market intelligence of what's going on in sales with the various realtor firms in the markets you serve. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst with this week's Mortgage Minute. Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA published its yearly report to Congress, which provides details on the agency's activity over the course of the past year, including its actions as conservator of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Some of the legislative recommendations in the report echo long-standing MBA priorities, including chartering authority for new guarantors and steps to foster a competitive national housing finance market. The report also highlights recent steps taken to create a roadmap for the end of conservatorship. Going forward, MBA will advocate for FHFA to lock in administrative GSE reforms put in place over the last decade and will continue to work with Congress on potential legislative actions to address the remaining elements of long-term housing finance reform. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Rob. Great report. Appreciate our relationship with the MBA. While you're there, check out the Mortgage Action Alliance app. Get signed up for that. Make sure your voice is heard on the Hill. NBA does such a good job of representing our industry. Let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and his macro view of the markets. Les? Get back. Get back. Get back to where you once worked hard. Get back, Jojo. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Major banks want employees to get back to work in the office. Without it, the recovery takes longer and hurts everyone. 90% of pre-shutdown economic activity delays a return to normal by over a year. So the responsible Fed gives room for rates to fall and the yield curve to flatten. 1.29 remains the 10-year yield target by August. The Fed does not like a flat curve. The Fed likes to please its biggest customer, the federal government, that needs low rates to finance massive deficits without a war. Stop the pandering. Get back, Joe. These views are my own. Get back to reading TM Spotlight Daily. Thank you, Les. Be sure to go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to Les's free newsletter. Or if you put in the word power, you get the paid version. Be sure to check it out at tmspotlight.com. And now it's time for the mortgage rate update. What's going on in interest rates? Matt Graham is here with us, founder and CEO of MBS Live, and he has this week's market update. Matt? This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live market update. Last week was one of the most volatile weeks we've had in the past few months, and and it really centered on the Fed announcement. But before the Fed announcement, we had economic data on Tuesday morning that included weaker than expected retail sales, but with a nice positive revision. And perhaps more importantly, a strong reading in producer prices. Normally, producer prices are not important. It's not a really relevant piece of economic data as far as market movement is concerned. But seeing an eye-watering number such as 4.8% in terms of core year over year 
producer price inflation was pretty staggering. More importantly, the month-over-month numbers have been big as well. So core producer prices rose 0.7% versus the 0.5 forecast. And it doesn't take very long to realize that inflation really is growing rather quickly when you multiply 0.7 times 12. At any rate, that drove rates higher heading into the Fed announcement on Wednesday at 2 p.m. We weren't expecting the Fed to make any significant changes to its policies. Yes, they did tweak some administrative rates, interest on excess reserves, but these were just housekeeping changes in response to money market fluctuations in terms of the Fed's reverse repurchase operations. In fact, in last week's podcast, we talked about the fact that an IOER tweak was likely, and they did that. But that is not what had any effect on the market at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. By far and away, the biggest deal was the dots. And that refers to the Fed's dot plot. And that is how they convey their economic projections, specifically the ones where each individual Fed member offers their point of view on where the Fed funds rate will be at key moments in the next few years. The biggest piece of news there was by the end of 2023, the median Fed member now saw the Fed funds rate being a whole half a percent higher than they did at the last set of economic projections. Now, these only come out quarterly. So the last time we got these was in March and we knew they would probably be moving up. Nonetheless, it was a bit more than the average market participant felt they would see. And how do we know that it was the dots as opposed to some rhetoric in Powell's press conference that had impact on rates. The easiest way to see that is that two-year treasury yields and in general, the short end of the yield curve got completely destroyed relative to the long end of the yield curve. In other words, short-term yields were rising much more quickly than longer dated yields. And in a move that surprised quite a lot of people, the day after the Fed announcement, longer-term yields, including 10s and especially 30s, fell significantly. In fact, all the way back to pre-Fed levels and then some by Friday afternoon, while short-term yields continued to move higher and higher. So one thing we have going on here is the notion of curve trading. You have flatteners and steepeners, and we're talking about the shape of the yield curve or just the various interest rates for various periods of time. In general, the longer the amount of time is that an investor is committing their money, the more return they want on that investment. And that's why the yield curve generally moves from low to high in terms of yield as you move from low to high in terms of duration. So one of the most fashionable trades of 2021 has been the steepener, meaning that investors are seeing longer term rates moving higher relative to short term rates because the Fed has said it's going to keep short term rates low, at least for the rest of 2021, probably for most of 2022. And that means that a two year treasury yield is never going to need to be very far from the Fed funds rate, at least right now, because if the Fed is keeping the Fed funds rate around 0% for the next two years, does make any sense for today's two-year treasury yield to be much higher. At the same time, all of the stimulus, both fiscal and monetary, contributes to upward pressure on longer-term rates as it restokes the fires of inflation and economic growth, all things that should drive yields higher in the longer term. The trade was so fashionable, however, that it ran the risk of being sort of imbalanced, and that began to run its course actually two weeks ago with the short squeeze that we discussed in last week's podcast. And so here again, 
again, we have an overabundance of steepener trades coming into the Fed. And now those have had their own sort of short squeeze as they have been forced to either enter flattener trades or just to unwind steepener trades. So that added to the frenzy heading back toward lower rates at the end of last week. As far as the new week is concerned, we're seeing some of that flushing out of those steepener trades probably hitting its limit. And it seems like things are calming down as we gear up to digest this week's treasury auction cycle. That gives the markets an opportunity to sort of vote on how they feel about this new run toward lower yields. If the auctions are significantly stronger than expected, then we wouldn't be surprised to see rates continue lower, maybe into the 1.2 range. They were in the 1.3s overnight before bouncing in the domestic session. We're talking about 10-year treasury yields, of course. MBS underperforming 10-year treasury yields because the Fed is increasingly talking about tapering MBS in a different way than treasuries and perhaps getting out of MBS altogether. It's not a new concept, but the the market is cautious about those prospects. So uh, widening in terms of MBS versus treasuries isn't a huge deal at current levels just because we were at all-time tights at the beginning of May. Other news in the week ahead, pretty sparse. There is several or there are several housing market reports. Those don't tend to be big market movers for the bond market right now, but they, in this case, may continue to inform Fed policy. I think to whatever extent the Fed sees their rate policies contributing to overheating in housing and especially in home prices, they will be increasingly likely or increasingly discussing the possibility of tapering MBS more quickly than treasuries. Friday's biggest piece, well, the whole week's biggest piece of economic data comes on Friday with core PCE inflation, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, seen coming in at 3.4% versus 3.4% one last time. Investors will, of course, be looking at the month-over-month numbers as well. And this is one of the Fed's preferred inflation gauges. So the sooner that we continue to see like successive months of over 3% core inflation, according to PCE, CPI, the more the Fed is going to talk about tapering, the closer they'll be to pulling the trigger. And it would be pretty hard for yields to continue to push lower in that environment. So inflation reports are super important right now, and second only to NFP which will be coming out next Friday ahead of a three-day weekend. So the volatility definitely may not be over in the short term. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it again. Be sure to sign up for mbslive.net. And if you use the LOL codes, you get an extended trial period and no credit card is required. We've got Alice Alvey here. Alice, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Dave. Alice, we've been doing this for 11 years. Hard to imagine. It is. And in that 11 years, I want everybody to know that Dave even records an episode when the Monday is a holiday. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that's 52 times 11, unless Christmas fell on a Monday in there. We've even done it on a Christmas day. Yeah, we stayed faithful to this thing. So anyway, it's good to have you here, Alice. What do you have for a legislative update report today? Well, I think this is a little bit more of a holy cow, what the heck happened Friday when we have a Thursday at three o'clock of federal holiday gets declared and everybody looks at each other and goes, holy cow, we got this three-day rule thing, right? And we just lost the day at three o'clock the day before. So even as of today, we don't have a whole heck of a lot of guidance from the CFPB other than the understanding statement that they came out with on Friday that they understand that this may have to delay closing. So that word to me meant you better have delayed a closing if you needed to. So for a lot of 
companies who get those closing disclosures out early, that's probably the first thing people thought of was, am I going to be able to close a loan on time? And if you were a company that gets those out early, then it really wasn't that big of an impact on that segment. But if, like a lot of companies, you've got those last minute CDs that were trying to go out. There was definitely just a little bit of a hint from the CFPB that if it was beyond your control and you could support that, would you have taken a shortcut on that three days? For me, back to my consulting days, this is not a union home thing. We would never have advised anybody to skip that day or let it count as a business day and skip it. So I think we just couldn't get that flexibility. So there were closings that were delayed for that. Closings delayed because of the title company not being open or recorder's offices if there was concern about recordings. And then I think the customer group that was really hit across the board was the three-day right of rescission, right? There was just no exceptions on that one that anyone wanted to take a flyer on, knowing the litigation that can come much further down the road that already has precedent. So we didn't see lenders to skip on that one. So today and tomorrow are the days that our customers who are definitely going to still feel the impact of Friday all of a sudden becoming the last minute holiday. We certainly agree and love it, right? Yeah, analyze your pipelines and figure it out. And hopefully consumers were able to get the message that it wasn't that lender's fault. I think that's what everybody's always worried about is at least we were all in the same boat together. So anyway, that was a Friday excitement. I guess I just wanted everybody to kind of at least share thoughts and ideas on we didn't hear of people making any exceptions for the fact that it was last minute. It really was every lender pulling up their policies and pulling up roots and saying, we have got to make sure we count this as a federal holiday and some things are going to be elongated. So then my next big news, this is happy news. FHA finally got on board with stopping using this 1% criteria for a student loan payment. They were the only one out there still. All the other agencies had gone to some formula of a half percent. And so now FHA is on board with using the greater of the payment amount that's reported on the credit report when that amounts above zero or half a percent of the outstanding loan balance when the monthly payment is reported on the credit report is zero or if it's not there. So if you're using a lower payment, you just need to have real solid documentation. FHA gives full description of that and just wanted to let everybody know that it seems like most lenders are going with the do it today, check your pipeline. If you have any past customers who weren't able to qualify because the student loan payment was at 1% instead of the new half percent, go back and get them back in the works because we're all going to be jumping on this as an industry, I think, right away. You'll have to work around the total scorecard. Isn't going to be programmed for at least another 30 days, uh, not until August, but at least we know we can go ahead and implement that today. So that's my report for today, Dave. Back to you. Good job. Thank you for celebrating with me 11 years of doing this. You and I are the originals. So appreciate it so much, Alice. Did you have a good Father's Day? Take good care of Andy. Oh, we did. We actually went out fishing in Pennsylvania, took the day off. It was interesting. It was very few people out there. All the dads must really? have been home with kids. Well, Andy, being the man's man that he is, and you going yeah. fishing, that wouldn't surprise me. And one of my funniest podcasts was when you were out doing a podcast on a fishing boat with your yeah. dialed in with your cell phone. All the memories we have from uh, doing this. Yeah. For so much. Thanks so much. Let's get over to Alan Pollock. He's here with this week's tech update. Alan, good to have you dialing in. Appreciate you. Well, hello there, David Licken and all of our listeners. Great to be here. How are you doing today? Did you have a good Father's Day? I did. How about you? You're the one that, I mean, my kids are growing up now, so how about you? Yeah, okay. I did. I had a great time with the family. Those holidays are always good. No complaints. Hey, by the way, guess what I'm holding right now? I got my dot card. You talked about it last week, remember? 
the dot card. Very cool. Have you tried it out? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get it up and running. So I got to figure out how to activate this card. So I've been working on that. So I need your help. My brother got one. Others have gotten one. So a lot of people heard that and they went online and got their dot card. So you started a new trend in the industry. There we go. Very cool. So David, what would Father's Day and the Licking on Lending podcast be without some analytics? We love data. We love so data. To share some interesting analytics. The first one is, uh, this is funny, I'm quoting it from a website. Most dads bring home the bacon, literally. More than half of the fathers polled say they are the primary grocery shoppers in their household. More dads research the products that they buy than more than moms. 11% of moms research products compared to 30% of dads. And get this one, last year, 35 to 44-year-olds spent the most per person on dads for Father's Day. The average price was $209 were spent between 35 and 44-year-olds. So really a good stat. There's a lot more, but that, we got to get into the explains, real mortgage side of the, of the world. That's why, That explains why I just got cards from my 20-year-olds. That's good. Yeah. What about mortgage tech? And you know, you know Josh Friend, your good buddy Josh Friend is on, and we are going to be interviewing him. Really looking forward to that. He's back for the third time. Popular demand, nonetheless, too. So, what do you got in mortgage tech? So a couple quick things. One is uh, Stewart has acquired Claude Verga. It happened a couple weeks ago, but fell between the cracks of my list that I managed to announce things on the program here. So if you hadn't seen it, don't forget that Stewart acquired them. Stewart, by the way, have now acquired a dozen companies, Notary Cam, ProTac, and many others. So look out for what they're doing over there. And uh, Claude Verga is a really good pickup for them. David, there is a technology out there called Fraud Bot, like the robot tech. And basically, their article starts off talking about how mortgage lenders faced $20 billion in mortgage lending fraud exposure last year. So there's a research company called Point Predictive. And fraud bot, this technology is meant to help out in that process because underwriters have to deal with so much variability and so many different schemes from borrowers like synthetic identities, misrepresentation of employment and income, to document forgeries, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what fraud bot does is it searches forensically for suspicious anonymous anomalies in the data, looking for the things that the human eye can't see or the things that takes a while for the human eye to be trained to see. And so this article talks about in early 2021, fraud bots that were deployed and they detected over 2,000 instances completely automatically of potential fraud. And what they found, those bots, 351 million suspected loan fraud. So it seems like a no-brainer. Clearly, that's an article. But if you're interested in looking to automate more on the fraud side, I know there's a couple companies doing this, but if you want your army of bots, check out Fraud Bot. Pretty cool. Yeah, where, from a, where, where was that published? We'll put the link in the podcast. National Mortgage Professional. Okay, National Mortgage Professional. Okay, good. Great article. Check it out. By the way, these popped up. I was looking before the program today at some of the things we've talked about in the past. And I don't know if you remember this one, but I was always talking about new cutting edge tech when we're talking about bots here. There's a new chainsaw coming out. I hear it's cutting edge technology. That was one of our good dad jokes and support of Father's Day and cutting edge. Yeah, and then uh, the other one, which is great, as we're building notifications and communication to our bar we want to make sure that we don't do this. I was driving and my phone vibrated in my pocket to tell me that you will not receive notifications while you're driving. So that's another good one. Uh, real quick, we gave out two acronyms recently. One of them was, remember we were just joking about how many acronyms are out there. This one was HTDWTP, how to deal with tech people. <laughs> Did we lose you on that, David? Yeah. How to deal with tech people. And remember we had our friend Jim come on and he talked about the process of understanding people in the yes. workplace and yes. different personalities. Yes. I had asked 
ask him a question. Maybe when he comes back, David, we could talk to him more about specifically tech people because he brought up some really good things. Remember the one point he brought up, which I had made a comment, I thought it was great, is that when you're dealing with a tech person because they don't communicate in paragraphs, they communicate in lists. And I thought that was great. But being able to understand how to deal with those folks in your organization as you're going and hiring people, especially if you didn't find the right hires or you made some mistakes on those hires, you're looking to kind of turn the boat right now before you get to that push before the end of the year to get all your tech solutions from this year completed. The second thing I wanted to bring up is don't forget about the Moscow method. It's the day of acronyms, literally M-O-S-C-O-W. And it's how do you deal with what you're planning, right? And it had multiple ways that I must have it now. We can't have it now. It's optional. We may want to have it. So you could just Google Moscow method. It's four buckets. You place everything in that you want to do. It's a great time. We're kind of in the middle of the year to figure out, are we on the right path? And based on where we're at, we need to reset our expectations and plan moving forward. It's down and dirty and quick and easy. Moscow, M-O-S-C-O-W. Other than that, David, lots of great stuff going on in our industry. Don't forget for anyone that's going to be at the Florida MBA secondary in Orlando, I'll be there tomorrow. I'm speaking on one panel that starts at 1 p.m. Eastern, and I hope to see everyone there. If not, we'll talk to everyone next week. Yeah, look forward to having you back. Appreciate you uh, dialing in for this one. Say hi to Camelia, too. Uh, you're going to be speaking on the panel with her. She was a guest here a couple yes, weeks ago. I will. And so uh, I'm interested in hearing what your take is on SnapDocs. Good job. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it so much. Okay, folks, that ends this week's Mortgage Weekly Updates. Good to have you here with us. Next week, we have Justin Demolia coming on from Lenders One. Really excited about this interview and uh, talking about the upcoming conference. We get to get together again in Orlando. Orlando coming up in August. You can hear about that conference. We're back together. The band is back together. I tell you, I've never seen an industry so ready to connect. We're an industry that it's about relations and we love meeting each other in person. Also want to say a thank you to our sponsors who make this podcast possible each and every week. Finastra, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Lenders One, Incelerate, Mobility MMI, as well as Modex, the MBA, as well as Knowledge Coop and the Mortgage Collaborative. Thanks for being here this week. Tell others about the podcast and have a great week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.